Recorded during the Plague Year 2020, this is the Andromeda Minute, a show where Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays we go over one minute of Robert Wise's all-too-timely techno-thriller, the 1971 feature, The Andromeda Strain, recorded one minute of screen time per episode. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm your guest host, Brian Fees. I'm a graphic novelist whose most recent book is A Fire Story. Uh, I was also a physics major and for about 13 years a working chemist, which may or may not be relevant to these minutes. We'll, well see. Well, we're, we're going to find out. But, but, Brian, thanks so much for being back on the show. Always great talking with you about narrative strategies and science and just all kinds of watching, you know, st- the movies that we watched when we were growing up kids. We are of an age, and uh, this uh, this throws me back into childhood. I mean, I'm a, I'm a you know, a fifth, sixth grader again and, and just so excited about all the gadgetry and and gosh, I wanna I wanna have a microscope that I can steer with a joystick. That's that's what I get out of this minute. <laughs> well, I think we, we've established that you and I are almost exactly the same age within a couple of weeks, right? Yeah, a couple of, actually within the same week. We're like three days apart. So yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. So my, my influences are yours as well. And and I remember when this movie came out and how much I loved it at the time. Yeah, I just I mean I kept searching and scanning through uh, Edmund's scientific catalogs, thinking there's got to be some place I can buy one of these things. <laughs> how many how many seed packets do I have to sell to get to get a a, a 30x or a 60x microscope that you can you can steer? Um, but yeah, beautiful. Uh, yeah, and now uh, you know now we can have things that you can do with your iPhone, where you can just kind of you can operate radio telescopes by <laughs> by by joining an app where anybody anybody can pick up. Uh, a major piece of scientific equipment and, and use it for themselves for a while. So we're, we're, I guess we're in the future already. We are in the future. We are in the world of tomorrow, my friend. Yes, yes. I, there's a book about that, I think. Hmm. Um, but it's, uh, anyway, we're, we're, we're starting this minute with uh, a brief view of what we had seen in the previous minute, which kind of lays out the stakes immediately, that the stakes here are, why is this baby and and this old man alive? What do they have in common? What's you know? How do you solve if you if you can solve that mystery? Maybe you can figure out how to conquer this thing that just killed a whole town. Um, it's a Robert Wise has a very nice visual style there, and just you know waving that at you a little bit, maybe not too on the nose, but gives you the idea this is what this this is real stuff, and it has real consequences. Yeah, I think of any any part of the base. Uh, the part I most enjoy is is the whole medical lab part with the uh, you know the suits and the. I, I just um, I found that fascinating then. I still find it fascinating now. Yeah, and uh, we get we get back into as as we're as we're leaving the medical side, we're going back to you know looking at this uh, spy satellite thing, the, the, this this uh, Scoop Seven, um, beautifully crafted. I, I just love this prop. It's a, it's just a, it's just a great prop with the wires hanging off of it and all the. Uh, the, the different uh, connectors and things. Um, and we get a little time check there saying that it's 9.50. So they've been working on this since about 4 o'clock in the morning. So they're five hours in trying to figure this out nonstop. They they can go back and drink some of that uh, nutrient sludge that's in the uh, closed cafeteria. <laughs> Looking it over millimeter by millimeter. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're, do- they're doing their, their level best. But uh, we, we've all been in a situation where you've had a project that's due and you're five hours in, and it's, it, it it doesn't show any sign of, of ending any anytime soon. So and uh, and if you fail, the world will be destroyed. We've all yeah. we've all know that. Yes, it's just one of those simple things. Well, or it I, might as well be you know be destroyed. Sorry, I I, I love this. Uh, I love the whole movie, but I I think nobody uh, is better than Michael Crichton was at, at making baloney science seem plausible. <laughs> Uh, exactly. He did it in this movie, Terminal Man, Westworld, Jurassic Park, uh, whatever you want. I mean, Michael Crichton gave it enough thought to make you think, 
hmm, maybe. Yeah, yeah. If I mean, you know, I remember watching Coma thinking, gosh, if you check into a hospital and they tell everybody that you know that you're in a coma, how do they know if you're missing a kidney later on? <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's like, yeah, that all seems horribly plausible. And yeah, and this one, I mean, it, it seems like, yeah, they made satellites to go up and capture. I mean, we, at, at the time we were recording this, we just uh, watched a beautiful uh, image of a uh, an asteroid being attacked by a robot uh, on the other side of the solar system. Uh, friendly greeted, greeted, yeah. you know. <laughs> yes, it was a, a very stern handshake, except they didn't have a hand on the other side. So, a love tap. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're picking up these samples, so who knows what it's going to be bringing back in a couple. I, 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 it, it's going to be landing in the Utah desert, so I'd keep an eye on that in a, about two years from now. Just, yeah, if if just, I were the real-life, uh, you know, counterpart to, uh, to uh, Dr. Stone, I would be... Uh, I'd be waiting for the knock on my door. Yeah, <laughs> interrupting. We, the, we've got a fire. The, yeah, the, the gala uh, cocktail party. You'd have to just kind of explain to your guests. Uh, I'm sure Karen would cover for you, though. Don't worry. Oh, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> um, wow. So we're looking at this. Um, it's it's rather organic looking. That air filter in there. I've, I've always been impressed by the kind of the randomness of the of the look inside there. I think if if I were going to build uh, a, a sample return container, it probably wouldn't be very neat but I, I do like the honeycombs and uh, nooks and crannies that it looks specially designed fractally to grab anything that just happens to come its way agreed it's beautiful yeah and uh gosh all that all the machining that was done i'm sure it was i'm sure it was taken from parts of other things you know it might be like a film can and and a couple of uh you know the carburetor off of a 66 chrysler or something but it just it looks it looks like if if, if not a, an actual satellite it looks how the insides of a um, mission return sampling satellite should look. You know, I was just talking to somebody about um, about Star Trek, about how in this, you know, 66, 67, they just literally went out into the into the alleyway and found pieces of styrofoam and packing material and glued them to the walls, and that became part of the Enterprise. And and now you've got people trying to recreate these sets and everything who were who were milling these things with 3D printers and lathes and like. It was garbage. It was literal garbage they glued to the wall. And I have a feeling there's some of that going on here too, although it just looks it looks so good. This microscope looks like it's it looks like it's made out of stainless steel, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's gorgeous. The uh um and we're getting more of uh Robert Wise is doing his uh his very much his cinematography background is coming into play. We see yet another split diopter as uh Dr. Levitt readjusts her glasses and rubs her eyes. Uh, she's in focus. The phone is in focus. The monitor in the back of the screen is in focus, and just uh, that that incredible depth of field. That it, it, to me, every time I see a, a split diopter, it pulls me. It, it gives you a feeling of 3D, and it also pulls you into the. It, there's a strong diagonal there that's yanking you into the storyline. Yeah, it gives you a very strong. You are there. That's yeah. what your eyes would be doing. Your eyes would be flitting from one to the other, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and at the same time, I was very struck by what the soundtrack is doing in this minute because um, you start hearing this kind of a screeching sound, like metal and metal, metal on metal, and it it wasn't clear, at least to me at first, if this is meant to be some sound the characters are actually hearing in the room, or if it's if it's a soundtrack, or if it's music. I don't know what this sound is, but it's it's grating and irritating, and to me, it just communicates very well what these people are feeling after five hours staring at this little screen. Yeah, it's very atonal, and it just, uh, you, you, it does put you in the same mood that they are, of being slightly, not annoyed, but the irritation level, it, it's just like you haven't had your caffeine for the day, 
and you still have to pay attention. And any, I mean, we're looking at what they're what they're trying to spot is, uh, as as they do say here about the size of a of a pencil point. Um, so it, you know, to talk about needles in a haystack would be a, a piece of cake. Um, I yeah, and and they do. Fortunately, in this in this particular minute, they do happen to spot this. Um, Wouldn't that be funny if the whole movie were just five hours long of them looking at this <laughs> copper screen? Yeah, the director's cut, and they, you know, <laughs> Bob, I think we got enough of this. No, no, we got to keep no, no, going. No, no, no. Verisimilitude. You yes. got to make it real. Yes, the audience has to feel it. You know, this is uh, probably the popcorn minute. You go out and gr grab another box. Um, but uh, anyway, they find something at, uh, I forget what the uh, what the magnification that they're at currently. Oh, they're at 20x, so they're 20, 20 times. Yep. So we're looking at something the size of a pencil point. And now, Brian, you as an artist, you are, uh, you're very familiar with widths and things on pencil points, uh, ink and otherwise. Um, where, what was your, what is your go-to pencil point if you're going to go for a size? <laughs> well, you can't really beat a good old number two, but um, I, I really like the, uh, the, the 0.5 millimeter. Uh, that's what I have in my, my mechanical pencils are all 0.5s instead of the kind of standard 0.7s. Um, I just find it, uh, I don't know, I like the feel of the line better. And that, it's hard to describe, but I, I feel like I have uh, a little more spontaneity, um, a little more life to it. Um, I really, I really like this. So I guess the 0.5 is. Are they talking about that's the size of the the rock we're about to find is half a millimeter? Yeah, that's that's what I'm feeling. So if it's a half a millimeter, uh, and they're multiplying it by 20, so we're looking at a 10 millimeter wide, um, you know, roughly the size of your, I guess your pinky nail is is about the 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 size on the screen that they're looking at. I would I would think. Um, mm, I, yeah. I, I, I'm not exactly sure what 20 times watt is. Are they talking about 20 times the screen? You know, the, the size on the screen that you're looking at is 20 times actual size. Uh, I assume that. I mean, I assume they're talking about it in a, it's so the same terms you you talk about looking through a telescope. You know. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I'm, I mean, maybe it's just a function of of the 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 time, but I would always think that they would have some kind of a a legend or a some kind of a scale they could compare. Uh, they, you know, like if you're looking at this thing and somewhere at the bottom of the screen, it would say, this is, you know, this is uh, 10 millimeters. And again, this is, again you know, that'll be in the director's cut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, yeah, if, if it were, if this were today, you'd have all this heads up display stuff with, um, you know, arrows, it, very CSI looking and there'd be, you know, little arrows pointing and stuff and it would tell you what the temperature is for the different surfaces and what the spectral reading is at the bottom. And, you know, you'd have a histogram and all that. So, but this is, you know, good, solid, uh, solid scientific study work. It's good stuff. And, and speaking of CSI, um, you know, I, I saw this minute and the minute that follows, and it, it is almost the retelling of the enhance, enhance, enhance joke, yes. where, you know, the CSI gets some really crummy piece of videotape and, and it barely shows any, you know, the face of the villain and, well, okay, enhance, and they tippy 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 tip on the computer, and it it's, it pops up in a, you know super high def resolution because somehow their computer has they figured out how to change this nothing into this, and and then, and then it's enhance, enhance, and all of a sudden you're looking at the reflection in the cornea of the guy's eye <laughs> that you know you shot from a from a security camera 300 feet away kind of thing. And it's 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 hilarious, and this is almost that, but not quite, because it's a microscope, and I I presume that there's some sort of you know 
lenses clicking in and out of position or something like that 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 makes this work, makes this uh, credible. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think so. Something I, I picture something like the uh, the old style TV cameras where you could swap it out for a telephoto, and they just had they probably had like a whole ring of of different lenses you could drop in, Barlow's that kind of stuff that you could just change the objective and 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 zoom in some more. Um, I think the earliest time I ever came up with that 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 I, that I ever seen the uh, enhance enhance uh, trope show up was watching Star Trek with uh, I'm sure you'll remember. Uh, the episode "Assignment Earth," where uh, yes. Gary Seven is uh, is is look is hiding out, and meanwhile Scotty's looking for him on a on a sensor up on the up on the ship from Wait, orbit. Here's the sound effect. Exactly. And that's what like when they were saying, oh, "Go to sixty. I kept thinking that that sound should still come in, and apparently they can hold from an orbit, not you know, not a synchronous orbit, but they could just zoom in and hold it <laughs> um, and get a sideways view of yeah. about four feet square of Gary Seven tinkering with the the r- rocket. Yeah. Yeah, and his cat. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's the Enterprise. You know, we're yeah, talking yeah. 200, 250 years from now, maybe. Yeah, maybe. It, 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 it could be an app on their little, uh, their, their tricorders. <laughs> and Scotty is very, very good. Do not underestimate Scotty's skills. That's, that's true. Just, just but I knobs. love that shot. And it's, it's almost, it's, it's very reminiscent of that because, you know, shot one is the Earth. Shot two is, you know, a Saturn V or Saturn or whatever it was from, you know, two miles up. Shot three is a guy lying on his stomach tinkering with the rocket. <laughs> Rock steady, too, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't move. That's it. The POV does not move at all. You're not circling him or going over him or anything. It's it's hilarious, but wow. well, it works, yeah. and this works. Yeah, this this works. I mean, Robert Wise, I think, does a does, does an admirable job. He's doing, really doing yeoman's work trying to explain the stakes of the story, which, uh, you know, we, we understand what they're trying to trying to find out. What What is it that is in this uh, this space probe? That uh, that could do it. And he's setting it up. Unfortunately, it's at it's at a seventy speed. I think we the the, the three minutes we're going to talk about this week could probably have been covered in mod in the modern age in about twenty seconds. Well, I meant uh, to thank you, and I don't want to turn off any of your uh, your listeners here, but I meant to thank you for uh, signing me up for the three most boring minutes of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's plenty more where that came from. Don't worry. <laughs> please, everybody, please listen to the rest of the week. I'm just saying. Yeah, no, it's it's yeah. There's there's more. Th- we'll be talking about more things. Don't worry. But this is a, it's it's a great intro to uh, just watching something that's really kind of super boring. But to these science, these scientists are actually this is actually exploratory work. They're trying to they're trying to solve and discover something. Yeah, and and, and the suspense is mounting partly through the use of the soundtrack. We start to hear the uh, you know the instrumentation build. Um, we know, you know, and and the. You know, go to go to forty, go to eighty. What the next? What's going to happen in the next couple of minutes? We know we're building towards something. We don't know what. We don't know what they're going to find. But you know, as a film-going audience, we know they're going to find something. And so we're watching that screen just intently as they are to figure out what they're going to find. Yeah, and and the other thing, I mean, the 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 quality of the actors. This, of course, nowadays everything is green screen, but green screen wasn't a common thing back then. But these two actors have to sit there and just be amazed at a, you know, a chalk mark on the wall. There's some, there's some like piece of uh, painter's tape that's that, that marks an X in the in the blank area that they're going to fill in with a with a mat of of this uh, the special effect that they're doing. So, really, they're acting against nothing, and 
you know, although they, they've come across that in other things, this is the most nothing they've ever had to act in, I would think, in their careers. <laughs> well, and the other nice thing about these actors, aside from their skill, is that, um, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're not... They're not young. They're not conventionally attractive. They're they're you know middle-aged people who plausibly could be world-class scientists. Yeah, yeah. They're not they're not kids, and they're not you know it it's not. That's something else that would change if they remade this today. They they'd be twenty-five years old and they'd look like supermodels. Yeah, well, exactly. And you know, you compare this to the movie from say six years earlier, Fantastic Voyage. Everybody on everybody on that. That ship, except for maybe the you know the older doctor, uh, they you know you had Stephen Boyd, you had Raquel Welch. Raquel Welch, yeah, yeah, and it's like you know, admittedly, she's probably a brilliant businesswoman and things like that, but it's like we've both worked in uh, in science situations, and we're not exactly the prettiest lot, but it's it's just normal working folks who don't look like Stephen Boyd and Raquel Welch, and it's just it's nice seeing these people, especially hiring a you know a, a woman who is you know she's a handsome woman but she's not she's not a uh, you know a bombshell i think and, she's terrific she's i think yeah. she's my favorite character in the movie i, I believe i believe so she's the she, i think she's the organizing sensibility for everybody else. like this is how any of us would probably react if we were thrown into a situation saying get get off your high she's very much get off your high horse with these other people and saying focus you know focus on the uh, on the business at hand which it's uh it's a it's a nice touch with her and i i think she uh she sells it very well you you figure these people actually have lives that are not in the movie yeah i like that um, very much that's good yeah good insight um wow well this i think we've pretty well beaten, <laughs> beaten this minute to death but this is a it's a good start to the week we, we're gonna we're gonna be looking at a at a, a bump in a mesh for for the uh the, the rest of this week but again thank you yeah, no, no problem, no problem. You know, you'll you'll never look at a wicker basket the same way again. Uh, it's uh, it, it's uh, it, it is stunning. But I, I know, you know, speaking of science stuff, you do a lot of uh, sciency things with uh, with paper and ink. And uh, let's talk about some of your uh, your previously published and currently published uh, uh, bibliography. Um, of course, one of my favorites of yours. You have so many. I mean, Mom's Cancer. Uh, whatever happened to the world of tomorrow? Uh, your comic, uh, your comic uh, strip uh, series, the uh, last mechanical monster, and of course the the most recent one, uh, the tragic yet amazing uh, fire story. Uh, let's talk a little bit about one of my favorites uh, in the middle of that pile. Uh, whatever happened to the world of tomorrow? Um, this, I think, you you are telling both of our stories in that one, and how much we appreciated the future back when the future was in the far future. Oh, I really appreciate you asking. Yeah, Whatever Happened in the World Tomorrow is is a book about getting to be the age I am now and wondering why I'm not living on the moon like I was promised when I was a kid. You know, what what happened, uh, it's sort of a, a look at American society through a pop culture lens of how we went from this um, idealistic utopianism to pessimistic dystopianism, how we went from Flash Gordon to Blade Runner, you know. Uh, we used to pretty much universally believe that tomorrow would be better than today and science and technology were going to help us get there. And now they're just, there's this mood that, that tomorrow is going to stink and science and technology are, are more or less the problem instead of the solution. And so I've always been interested by that. So it's, it's a, uh, again, a pop culture look. It's, it's not heavy. It's, it's a comic book. It's a graphic novel with comic books inside it, comic books within comic books. Yeah. yeah and and I, uh, I, 
I, I agree, right. and it's it's not. I, I don't want to. I don't want to leave anyone with the impression that it's a negative view of the future. That the no, future, the future that you talk about, we didn't get the future that we were promised, but we got one that may be infinitely more amazing than than the the future we were hoping for. I mean, there's there's so much in in your book toward the end of that that thing that said, well, it really is a, a really amazing future that we're currently living in. Exactly um, right. You know, we didn't get the world of jetpacks and flying cars, but we got the world of. Uh, a device in your pocket that holds all the knowledge in the world. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and and we've, we're sort of living out, um, I, I know you've read uh, Richard Feynman's essay, There's Plenty of Room at the Bottom, I think is the name of it, about, yeah. how, about miniaturization and how much space there is packed into molecules and atoms for, for encoding, for carrying information, for you know running a world in, in a device that fits in your pocket. Um, that's amazing. Um, you know, the events, the, the, the advances of computerization and, and things that have made life better for us in ways we are very rarely conscious of because we've all grown up with it and grown with it. Um, we did get a world of tomorrow. We didn't get the world of tomorrow we were promised in 1939 or 1945 or 1955. But we got a, a different and in maybe, maybe some ways, I think arguably many ways, a better world of tomorrow. Yeah, definitely a, a book to check out. I, I I refer to it many times. Uh, it, it's it's very much if if you're in a pessimistic view of the future, it's a great one to read. It really will it, it cheers me up a lot. So I, I I do appreciate your work. Well, thanks um, a lot, Brian. When people want to find out where what what you're doing and what uh, what you're talking about, where can they best find you online? Well, I'm on Facebook. Uh, best place to find me otherwise is at my blog, brianfees.blogspot.com. Always fascinating articles out the yin yang there for for years and years going back. Um, uh, so check, check check that out, please. Uh, we will return on Wednesday with uh, more more staring at uh, screens screens of screens actually the uh, so <laughs> and, 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 bu- and and bumps in the corners. So we will uh, we'll be doing more fascinating things. But uh, check back with us on Wednesday. Uh, in the meantime, do the three things that will get rid of this plague sooner than later and make it a better future. If you'll please. Stay six feet apart from people. Uh, wash, wash your hands, and at all times, whenever possible, wear a mask. Uh, if we, if everybody does that, we can get rid of this plague a lot faster than uh, than we seem to be going at at this pace. I'm doing uh, it right now. All awesome. three. <laughs> Sing happy birthday while you're washing. Don't forget. Well, anyway, we will return Wednesday, uh, and we'll see you next time on the Andromeda Minute. Very flattering. We don't know much more than when we got here.